0: So a couple of questions from the bowl, the basket. I think I need more light. The uh, blue notes are hard to read in the... Okay. This question keeps coming up. On the one hand, we're trying to see the self as a made-up construct, a process. But we're also sending metta to the self. So to whom slash what are we actually sending metta? Aren't we strengthening a construct? So the phrase in the metta practice... May I be happy? <laughs> you know that, that can be understood in the way of an I as a reifying a sense of self. That may be, um, it can be a way that we think that word. The encouragement, really, what we're exploring and how we're practicing the metta is uh, we're using simple words to express complex concepts, concepts, understandings, we could say. And so perhaps we could say that the metaphrase would represent something like May this being tumbling on of form, feeling, perceptions, mental formations, and consciousness experience the arising of happiness. May this tumbling being experience. Happiness, the arising of happiness in this tumbling process. So we're wishing for more wholesomeness in ourselves, more wholesomeness in the world, more wholesomeness to arise in these processes that are tumbling on. So that's, that's a way to, uh, to think about that. And then another question coming out of, uh, or perhaps related to the talk, question on the five aggregates in the sense of self. How should I regard cherished identities like BIPOC or LGBTQ+. These are identities I take great pride in. How to relate to these skillfully? So in responding to this, I can only respond from my own identities, my own social location. As a white, cisgendered female, asexual, raised Protestant, became atheist, became Buddhist, middle class, college-educated, all of these became a Buddhist meditation teacher (laughs) roles, identities through my life that have been shaped. And so I can't respond directly to working with these particular identities in the question, but hopefully something I will offer about my own exploration around identities may be useful this is again coming from my own perspective my own understanding with my own identities so um, limited by that perspective and yet there's some things i think about understanding identities that are, is universal so perhaps some of this will be supportive or useful So identities, I think all identities are conditioned processes. They are in this tumbling on, they are part of this being. Identities conditioned by these conditioned by our experience, our personal experience in relationship to what has happened to us in our lives, in relationship to others, in relationship to how others see us, another way identities come. The identity for me of being female clearly at times feels more coming from how others are seeing me. And so do I pick that up? How do I pick that up? What do I notice about that? So these identities are ways that our system, you know, this, these processes of the aggregates tumbling on, the meeting the world, we navigate it and learn how to navigate it, in, sometimes skillfully, sometimes unskillfully, but these identities are all responses to this navigating of the world. Strategies to navigate the world socially, socially, emotionally, personally. The teachings point to identities. And the word in, in Pali sakaya identity view, points to some of how the Buddhist teachings understand Identities as a view, as a, a perspective on how we see the world, how we relate to the world. Views help us make sense of things. We need them, and we need. We need identities in a way. I mean, identities are useful in helping us to navigate the world. And so views help us to make sense of things. In fact, right view in the Eightfold Path helps us to find our way to the path and helps us to awaken. And so there's an understanding that there are views that support us in our journey in in life. And the Buddha did say that even the Dharma is not helpful to cling to. Even that needs to be released. But not before. We can't, there's a, there's a, a, a teaching, the simile of the raft, where this teaching of letting go of even the view of the Dharma is, is pointed to. And it's, um, you know, we use the Eightfold Path as a raft the analogy is the Eightfold Path is a raft across over the flood of greed, aversion, and delusion, the flood of suffering. And then when we get to the other side of the of the flood, he asks, Is it useful to carry that raft around with you on your head? He says, No, you you let it go, you set it adrift, you put it down. It's not useful to cling to the Dharma. But as I thought about that analogy, I realized. Yeah, but I can't let go of the raft while I'm in the middle of the river. In fact, it may feel like I'm clinging to that raft while I'm in the middle of the river. And may need to hold on to that raft while I'm in the middle of the river. And so views can be used skillfully in our process of the path. And views also can create stress, struggle, Dukkha. And so with identities, the encouragement in practicing with them is to understand them. To honor, respect them with mindfulness, with wise mindfulness. Open to the experience. What does this identity feel like? How does it affect this being how does it affect my actions in the world when is it strong when is it weaker when is it obvious when is it not obvious sometimes my sense of being female is just gone and then other times it's very strong So we're exploring them to understand their nature, not to get rid of them. The understanding of their nature has an effect on this process of body and mind. In the understanding of the nature, it's... um, I think it's useful to recognize how and when they are strong, how and when they are not as strong. And when they are strong, you know, sometimes the strength of, of uh, a perspective can feel like opening and connecting, and sometimes it can feel contracting. So noticing that, noticing the flow between that. Noticing, perhaps, how it feels as an identity is arising in what feels like the response to how it feels like somebody is seeing us. All of this is an exploration. In this exploration, for me, I'd say the most helpful, one of the most helpful pieces is to set aside any idea of what, I think is supposed to happen in terms of looking at these identities. Any beliefs about what's supposed to happen with practice around them. The deeper we see our experience, and this for me many, many times, with a lot of different kinds of explorations, the more clearly I see it, the more unexpected the understandings and the transformation is around it. Nothing I could have expected or predicted. So wisdom allows us to open to the entirety of our experience and it will begin to transform us in ways that we don't we cannot fathom. We can't understand. And so that takes trust. It takes trust. I mean, there have been times where it's like, do I want this wisdom? Do I really want this? And at some point, the sense of yes. Whatever it is, I want to see it. I want to see it clearly and be willing to let... Wisdom and understanding transform this being's tumbling on of form, feeling, perception, mental formation, and consciousness. So a couple of announcements. Jaya's meetings will be this afternoon, and Kim also has some sign-ups this afternoon. And then, um, just an encouragement, Um, we've noticed that the same people tend to be signing up for practice leaders, and thank you, thank you all for your service. And just an encouragement for those of you who have not yet done it to uh maybe take the opportunity to practice with it it's a great opportunity to practice with the arising of the sense of self <laughs> to sit up here and uh, ring the bell it's a service it's a service to the community and it's a, it's a, an opportunity for practice and we understand that some of you may just not want to do that so it's okay to not to not sign up, but just an encouragement to maybe, maybe take a little uh, leap there. Thank you for your practice. Have a day.